0: Hello, this is Lea, your French journalist covering EU news from Brussels. This time I report to you from Madrid, actually. I went to the summit of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO for those familiar, at the end of June. In this episode of Voices from Brussels, I will again talk about Ukraine and how the EU and NATO are supporting its war effort. It had caught my attention that everyone in the West claimed to be supporting Ukraine with weapons and, on the other hand, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky was constantly asking for more. So for Madrid, let's see how it all works. Before taking you there, let's take a quick look at the situation in Ukraine as we speak. A few days ago, on the 10th of July, Russian forces bombed an apartment block in Chasivyar. The attack killed at least 34 people. The war has now been raging for over four months. Kiev managed to protect parts of its country, but Russia now controls around 20% of Ukraine's territory and is fighting hard to take over more towns. What the Ukrainians desperately need is equipment and weapons to resist and fight back. President Volodymyr Zelensky addressed the same message to Western allies during the NATO summit in Madrid late June. More than 30 leaders or ministers from around the world gathered in the outskirts of the Spanish capital, right next to the airport, for a three-day summit. Dozens of police officers were mobilized for the event, and there were numerous security checks and procedures in place to enter the summit site. Hundreds of journalists came from all over the world to follow the Western leaders' discussions on defense capabilities and support for Ukraine, and on extending the organization to Finland and Sweden all against the backdrop of the war in Ukraine. On the second day of the summit, on the 29th of June, the leaders were to discuss the situation in Ukraine and how to help the country. President Zelensky addressed them in the afternoon from a distance, still wearing his now traditional military t-shirt. For him, this war is not only a war against Ukraine, but a war for what the future world order will look like. Hence the absolute necessity to provide Ukraine with arms, finances and to sanction Russia, he says and Western leaders had a ready answer to that. After long hours in the press center waiting for decisions to be announced, NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg came to give the first press conference where he announced the new support package for Ukraine. The support package includes secure communications, fuel, medical supplies, body armor, and so on. According to Jens Stoltenberg, The aim is to help Ukraine transition from Soviet-era equipment to modern NATO equipment. But how does this work in practice? At the summit, the participants pledged to provide additional equipment, but it is now up to each individual country to concretize this support. France has, for instance, said it would send additional war material to Kiev. But this aid doesn't seem sufficient to meet Ukraine's needs. Zelensky was explicit when he addressed Western leaders gathered in Madrid. Ukraine needs modern missile and air defense. He clearly mentioned the fact that his interlocutors had this kind of systems at their disposal. This message was echoed by two prominent Ukrainian figures who travelled to Madrid too. While leaders were discussing behind closed doors, the so-called Klitschko brothers appeared before journalists. Vitaly Klitschko is a former heavyweight boxing champion who is now the mayor of Kyiv. His brother Volodymyr also is a boxing champion, and they both regularly appear in media to raise awareness about the war. They warned that time is running out and Ukraine is waiting too long for weapons to arrive.
1: If Ukraine is going to fail, you're going to be next. Moldova is going to be next. Food crisis its just the beginning. Economical crisis. If it's not going to be stopped now, all of us are going to be affected. The free world, so-called free world, is going to be affected. And NATO and the, the World Society needs to learn how to act
0: fast. It's been too long. In the EU too, some are beginning to think that more could be done in terms of material support. And this is the case of Gustav Gressel, a senior policy fellow at the European Council on Foreign Relations. During a Skype interview, he told me that current support is keeping Ukraine in the war, but it is insufficient to enable the country to launch major counter-offensives. And some Allies could actually do more.
1: Uh, for example, the German government sits on, on 60 M113 uh, armored personal carriers. These were former artillery observation vehicles used by the Bundeswehr. They're phased out. There's no use of these vehicles in the Bundeswehr as such. Um, nobody comes to the idea to supply them to Ukraine, although the Dutch supply a similar vehicle. Uh, the Americans supply the same vehicle to, to the Ukrainians. And it would sort of, you know, you have training in place, you have the supply chain in place for this kind of vehicle, but nobody comes to the idea to send it. So I I, I sometimes really scratch my head and well, what is going on here? What's the perspective? What do, do we really mean Ukraine needs to win the war? I have my doubts about at least sort of Western Europeans really meaning that.
0: But Western leaders don't agree. In Madrid, they all recall the support that has been provided so far. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has already argued that there was no point in sending complicated modern weapons without prior training Ukrainian soldiers. Others explained that deliveries cannot be made as quickly as necessary because of Ukraine's capacity to absorb the equipment. As for air defense, which Zelensky is pressing for, Most Western countries currently do not have the capacity to ensure rapid supply because the rate of production of some equipment or even vehicles does not allow for rapid deliveries, as Gustav Gressel explains. But he also points out that there is a geopolitical reason not to send too many heavy weapons, the fear of escalation with Russia.
1: I mean on... On infantry fighting vehicles and on main battle tanks, Germany claims that there's a kind of NATO policy not to supply them, which is not a NATO policy. It's a German policy that uh, Scholz talked Macron into, and they, uh, I think the Italians see it on a similar way, but it's a bilateral uh, consultation between certain individual member states. The Spanish see things very differently. This is done for the fear of that Russia might escalate and escalate to nuclear weapons. This fear is completely idiotic and unfounded and it's bare any substance. But Putin seems to have made the threat in one of the phone calls with either Schultz or Schultz and Macron. So they believe him. So the Russians, by the virtue of sort of making nuclear threats, can dictate what is delivered and what not, which in itself is a dangerous
0: sign. Just as NATO cannot simply bring Ukraine into its ranks overnight because of potential Russian retaliation, it must be cautious when supporting Kiev's war effort. Western leaders have spared no words in publicly accusing Moscow since the beginning of the war, but they remain aware of the risks of escalation and the need to ensure security on the continent. Retired Special operation Officer Aurimas Navis of Lithuania, who was interviewed by our partner Giniu Radias, explained that there is a common understanding between the Western world and President Zelensky about the possibilities of the
2: support provided. If I understand correctly, at least the part of the military command that I have communicated with to some extent The Ukrainians are neither disappointed nor particularly happy either way, because they understand very well that the West, particularly the NATO countries, are providing the support that they have agreed upon. And Ukraine certainly doesn't think right now that it would have been offered membership in NATO, even perhaps in a more distant future. But of course, The communication set out by President Zelensky's administration, and by himself, is always focused on the maximum, on the aspiration to become, if not a member of the Alliance, at least among the partners, and precisely, to get that so-called path to Alliance membership. Of course, this was not decided or proposed at this meeting. But we have to hope that maybe, in the future, it will happen.
0: Back in Madrid, Western leaders sent a welcome message to Finland and Sweden to the organization by formally inviting them to join NATO. As for Kiev, allies merely recalled that Ukraine had a future in NATO, without giving further details. The EU, on the other hand, sent a stronger political message in June by granting Ukraine candidate status for EU membership even though, as I reported about a few weeks ago, the road to full membership will be long and bumpy. In the meantime, the EU is providing other type of support to Ukraine. Among those, there is the macro-financial assistance. The EU has approved a 1 billion euro loan to Ukraine, which amounts to a 2.2 billion euro support in loans since the war began. In total, the EU plans to give out 10 billion euros in loans for the near future. Now, to give you some idea of what it represents, according to Ukrainian finance minister Serhiy Marchenko, his country needs 5 billion euros per month to keep its economy going. One might think, why not providing subsidies to Ukraine instead of loans, which need to be repaid? EU budget rules are too restrictive and complex to provide real grounds to Ukraine, according to Brussels. Loans are therefore seen as the best tool the EU has at its disposal. In the diplomatic arena, the EU is also trying to gather support for Ukraine from international partners such as the countries of the Indo-Pacific region, which were present at the NATO summit. On the other hand, some EU heads of state are also trying to mediate between Putin and Zelensky. This is the case of Emmanuel Macron, who has, however, been criticized by other EU leaders, especially in the East. For experts, Gustav Gressel, neither Macron nor Scholz is the right person to talk to Putin about ending this war.
1: It's up to the Ukrainians to, to decide when and on what conditions to accept peace. It's them fighting, it's not us. I I think some of sort of Macron's attempts to insert himself are not helping to be very polite, delusional, to say the least. The belief that Europeans can can force or convince Putin to go to enter negotiations at a certain point in time are uh, are pure illusions. And we ridicule ourselves by by attending that.
0: The three-day summit in Spain showed that Western leaders can roll up their sleeves to stand behind their aggressed neighbor. In addition to military and financial support to Ukraine, they have already implemented several rounds of sanctions. Now, when it comes to stronger actions and results, it remains to be seen how this will develop in the long term. When winter comes and the energy crisis hits hard, Actions could become more delicate for some countries. This concludes this episode of Voices from Brussels, or rather from Madrid this time. I hope you enjoyed it. À bientôt!